2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to our Friday edition of the Orange and Browns Talk podcast, our big Browns Falcons preview. We've got D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution joining us in the next segment. Mary Kay and I chatted with him. And then we give you nearly an hour worth of props and game picks after that. So that's coming up later. But before uh, we get going to all of that stuff, Mary Kay Cabot is here. Ashley Bastock is here. And we are going to give you the things you need to know for this game. Start you off with everything you need to know, or at least three things you need to know for Sunday when the Browns face the Falcons. We're recording this on Thursday, about 7, 10. So as always, the situation is fluid, especially this week, but Mary Kay, what's something everyone needs to know?
1: You know, I think everyone needs to know that uh, Jacoby Brissett is going to be going up against the 27th ranked pass defense in the NFL, and he has an opportunity to keep the, J- the Ch- could-be train rolling along. Oh,
3: <laughs> well, stay so,
1: tuned. We, we yeah. get into that later. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's a sneak preview. Um, <laughs> but anyways, so uh, Jacoby has climbed to 10th, 10th in the NFL right now. With a 94.3 rating, it should be pointed out, of course, that um, they have not been playing the juggernauts of the NFL, but they're not playing the juggernauts of the NFL again on Sunday in Atlanta against the one and two Falcons. Their defense has been struggling. So I think Jacoby can have some success in this game. And one of the reasons why I think he can is not only is he supported by this tremendous, tremendous running game, uh, but he's really cranked it up and gotten it going with Amari Cooper. Uh, He and he and Amari have combined for over a hundred yards in each of the last two games. And, uh, and they're just looking really good together. So I think they're going to be able to keep it going. And in the event they can't, if David Njoku plays, I think he's a a good second option, obviously for Jacoby. And I think he's going to keep it rolling along.
2: I will say this now as a preview for, again, sort of a spoiler alert. I am pro Jacoby Brissett all the way. Okay. <laughs> just let's make that clear off the top. I am pro Jacoby Brissett. Mary Kay, I actually agree with you. I, I think this offense is going to be fine this week against that Falcons defense. And I think they're going to continue to just sort of be able to create opportunities in the past game through that play action game, through the screen game. I, 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 I just, I think it's going to continue. So um, I, I think At some point, this team is going to run into a defense that might give them some problems. I see no reason why it would be the Falcons.
1: And I don't think they're going to get much pressure. You know, I just don't see them getting a ton of pressure. Jack Conklin is back. Uh, He had a nice first game back from his knee injury. Jed Wills is starting to play really well. Uh, You know, the offensive line is really coming together. And I've said this so many times, and I think it's so vitally important. The Browns did right by building tough through their lines. I mean, they just built for the trenches. And, um, you know, when you do that, so many things can go right on, on both sides of the football. And so if Jacoby uh, doesn't have it necessarily going in the passing game, they've got the running game to rely on and vice versa. So I, I just think that they're going to be okay here. And he fell into a nice situation with the Cleveland Browns.
0: Yeah, I think it was last week, Doug may have been the one to pose the question, like, is Jacoby Brissett Kevin Stefanski's dream quarterback? <laughs> well, I don't know if I'd go that far, but I do think this is for Jacoby Brissett, the dream offense to be in right now, and maybe the dream coach to play for. Um, so it might be true the opposite way, kind of <laughs> off of Doug's joking question last week, because... I, I just think for what we know about Jacoby Brissett, and I think, again, we, we kind of know who Jacoby Brissett is. I think there's room for this offense to grow, but you're going to basically see this from Jacoby Brissett when this team is clicking on all cylinders. He's doing a nice job, I think, of getting past that first read. He will look at the, the second and third read sometimes, and we've seen that. We didn't really see that as much from Baker Baker do it as successfully last year, especially when things were struggling. So I just think he, you know, he does have more room to kind of get more guys involved. We kind of saw him go away from DPJ, for example, after looking to him a lot against Carolina. Um, And in each game, we've kind of seen one guy kind of stand out. It's really been that. It was DPJ uh, against Carolina. Amari kind of got going, and Amari and David kind of got going a little bit, but mostly Amari still against the Steelers. So... I'm curious to see what it looks like when he spreads the ball around a little more, when they can get Kareem Hunt going uh, as well on top of Nick Chubb really going. So I think that they're going to be fine, like we said, against the Falcons, and especially with this line and all seems well, knock on wood right now at the tackle spots for the Browns, when that certainly wasn't the case for most of last year.
2: Okay, Ashley, what have you got?
0: my thing to know dan i'm going to let you talk about the one we get into a little bit later if you want on the on the podcast i'm going to Might say my it. thing my thing to know and we do touch on this is that this injury report is long and it goes just beyond miles garrett there are a lot of moving pieces and parts that I think we kind of need to be aware that you should be keeping your eye on because there's a lot that could be impacted. And the Falcons only have one player on their injury report right now as of 7.15 p.m. on Thursday. But it's a pretty important player in Corderell Patterson. I would say it's maybe like their most important player on offense right now. He's the third leading rusher in the league coming into this game behind Nick Chubb and Saquon Barkley. But on the Brown side of things, Taven Bryan still hasn't practiced. That could be a huge hit to that front of that defense. Jadavion Clowney, obviously, still working through that ankle injury. Did not play again on Thursday or Wednesday in practice. Obviously, we know the situation with Miles Garrett. Um, I will say it is encouraging Jeremiah, Wusu-Koromoa, Denzel Ward both back out at practice. But there's just a lot of moving pieces and parts, right? Because if the Falcons don't have Patterson that's a huge loss. But if they get Patterson back and the Browns don't have either Miles Garrett or Jadavian Clowney, that's huge, especially with how good Jadavian Clowney is at setting the edge, defending against the run. Um, That front of the Browns defense, especially without Anthony Walker now, they really have kind of been decimated, it seems like, since that Steelers game, particularly in that Steelers game. Um, with injuries so I think it's all about just knowing like yes Miles Garrett would obviously be a huge loss by himself but there are other guys who you know might have to miss this game that could really impact the game on both sides of this injury report right now
2: yeah Mary Kay this is there there's just a ton that we don't know and that makes it really hard to figure out what's going to happen like the Browns are a more talented team than the Falcons but they're some of those big names that make them more talented could be in street clothes or not even make the trip.
1: Yeah. It, it is hard to, to get a handle on this game when we really don't know what's going to happen with some of those big name players. And again, I mean, you're talking about potentially two number one overall picks in miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney, either playing or not playing. So how do you feel about this game? Um, It looks now like, uh, you know, Denzel Ward's going to play once you, if you practice on Thursday, there's a pretty darn good chance you're going to play the game. So I'm going to say Denzel's going to play. I'm going to say JOK is going to play. So really you just mostly have to kind of look at the, the two defensive ends for them. And of course you have to look at David Njoku coming down with a late week knee injury and Corderell Patterson, as Ashley mentioned. So hard to get a handle on this game but I still think man for man pound for pound the Cleveland Browns are the better football team I I I mean if you just had the dancing Bears of course now I'm just obsessed with that (laughs) if you just had the dancing Bears Joel Batonio and Wyatt Teller and uh, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt you're going to be able to make a lot of hay in this football game so I'm still going with the Browns
2: I think Mary Kay got a little choked up, but up. dancing bear <laughs> <laughs> is there. That was such a
0: great line today. Once, we, I mean, Alex Van Pelt is occasionally good for these little one-liners. and I, I rarely tweet anything during press conferences. Of course, we're, we're texting our insider subscribers during those, but I was not assigned to text during AVP today. And I, I had to tweet that dancing bears thing out after we heard it. That was so great and such a great visual. And somebody somewhere, I'm not saying Dan, but somebody somewhere, should make a T-shirt of Joel Batoni and Wyatt Teller as Dancing Bears. That would sell mm-hmm. like hotcakes or pancakes. If you're Wyatt Teller in his Pancake House,
2: We've got <laughs> a million T-shirt ideas here on this podcast. If we say them on the podcast, you aren't allowed to do them. It's copyright. We've got it. If we say <laughs> it, that's I think that's legally that, how that will works. hold up
0: in a court of law.
2: I'm going to stick with that theme, actually. Um, I'm going to stay away from uh, what what we talk about in the prop bets, uh, some good stuff about the tight ends there, but I'm going to stay on the run game because I I did a little research into where the run game stands league-wide, and I'm just going to read some of these numbers. Yards per game, they're first at 190.7. Attempts, they're first at 114, and that's actually 10 more than the second-place team. And just to put that in perspective, it's like numbers two through five or two through six are separated by 10 attempts. So it's a, that's a pretty significant number. They're sixth in yards per carry at five, which actually surprised me how low that was second in rushing touchdowns their PFF run grade. You know how I love those. They are first PFF run block grade. They're tied for fifth and in rushing DVOA on football outsiders, they are second behind new England. Um, This is a legitimately great run game. And Mary Kay, they've sort of turned back the clock a little bit. They're they're sort of, I mean, you see all sorts of all 22 cutups and clips on Twitter, and you don't see a ton of offensive line play and a ton of run plays, but you sure do when it's the Browns. And it's almost like they've, they've kind of made the run game cool again.
1: Yeah, well, you know, it's kind of easy to make the run game cool when you've got uh, jump cuts and you've got hurdles and you've got, uh, you know, these guys doing the, the things that they're trying to do in this game, uh, in this running game, in terms of, you know, bringing the bring in the juice. I mean, they, these guys are bringing the juice in the running game and they're making it fun. I mean, to watch Nick and, and Kareem, it's not just, you know, a cloud of dust. I mean, these, these guys are are running through walls and jumping over people and it is fun. They're making it fun to watch the running game. So um, again, we've talked about the fact and we'll talk about it more that, that Nick is is headed home to his home state of Georgia. I think that, I mean, if ever there was a time he's going to be vaulting, jumping, cutting and blasting through people, uh, it will be this weekend. And Let's roll, boys.
2: Ashley, I want to read you something that Wyatt Teller said to me today when I was asking him about the run game. And I actually asked him, are you making the run game cool again? And one of the things he said is, um, you see guys moving, you see carnage. Nothing dirty, nothing crazy, nothing insane. Just getting our job done. Carnage.
0: That is such a good answer by Wyatt Teller. I wish wish this was a video podcast sometimes. Not all the time, but sometimes with my reaction there. (laughs) was very dramatic. Um, I love that quote. And it's like, so true. I have been thinking about four days. I don't, I, I'm not going to dig out my notes. So I don't remember exactly when it happened, but Nick Chubb ripped off that long run on like one of the first drives of the game. I think one of the Browns first couple, and you watch Joel Bitonio run all the way to the right side of the line and just lay down like the nastiest block. Like he landed on the ground. The Pittsburgh defender was on the ground. It opened up the big hole for Chubb to, to get like 31 yards, I think was the, was the game. And it's just stuff like that where I'm like, it's almost like watching art. It's like watching poetry in motion, except it's like brutal poetry about war, not about like some like love sonnet or something. You know, what these guys are doing is special. I do think fans appreciate it, um. But yeah, that's a great descriptor by Wyatt, because it's like he said, it's nothing dirty, but these guys are just so good at blocking. You know, we joked last year about Wyatt Teller's pancake house, and he was joking about, you know, some friends saying he should do open one of those after he retires, he should start a chain of restaurants. And it's true because if you, if you just zero in on these guys or, or get a chance to go and rewatch parts of the game, just it's, it's worth focusing on them and watching how athletic they are and how they move and this wide zone scheme, because it's really impressive.
2: Yeah. What, what Bill Callahan and this line and stump Mitchell and these backs, what they, what they've done in the run game uh, has been really incredible. Um, and there's no reason to believe that they shouldn't be able to keep it going uh, on the turf at Mercedes Benz stadium on Sunday. All right. We're going to continue our preview of the game. We're going to take a break on the other side. Mary Kay and I had a chance to catch up with D. Orlando Ledbetter. He covers the Falcons for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And then after that, Ashley's going to rejoin us. Doug, Maurice, and Irie Harris are going to join us. We're going to do prop bets, and we're going to make our game picks. That's all coming up. But first, our first break of the podcast. And welcome back to the Orange to or Brown Talk podcast. We're happy now to be joined by D. Orlando Ledbetter, covers the Falcons through the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.
3: How are you today? Hey, I'm doing great, Dan. Thanks for having me on your podcast, you and Mary Kay. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for being here with us. We really appreciate
1: it. And so, first of all, just tell us a little bit about how Marcus Mariota is playing. Uh, what is he doing just in terms of you know running and
3: RPOs and things like that? Yeah, well, he's uh, playing, um, you know, kind of uneven a little bit, Mary Kay. He's making plays and then making mistakes, uh, but they're playing through the mistakes. You know, uh, ball handling has been an early issue for him, dropping handoffs and fumbling and so forth. Uh, but he's been accurate passing the ball more than uh, his history would suggest. You know, uh, I was on uh, one of those uh, the next-gen uh, stats today. He was projected to throw 50 percent8 and actually was 13 of 20, so that was 65%, which was, you know, the tops in the league last week. So his accuracy is a little bit better than advertised, but the blunders are, you know, what got him out of Tennessee uh, and so forth. So he's got to clean that part of it up.
2: So with Marcus, is he – how does he kind of fit into what Arthur Smith wants to do? Is he a more ideal quarterback for what he wants to do on offense?
3: Well, um, uh, yeah, no doubt, because he's not a forty drop back guy. You know, uh, all you gotta do is look to Tennessee and try to uh, see how you know they wanted to run the ball with Derrick Henry and throw uh, in-cutting in routes by uh, Ryan Tannehill mostly to AJ Brown. But uh, you know that's you know that's what he's trying to do here. He's got went out and remade the re, uh, receiver group. You know, uh, got some big guys. Even last year when we thought they should have got some linemen. Uh, got another big receiver so that they could throw it to out for these RPOs and so forth that Marcus is running.
1: So talk to us a little bit about Cordero Patterson. I see that uh, he did not practice today as we uh, tape this on Wednesday afternoon. Does that mean anything? And then Kevin Stefanski just talked about, you know, just how big he is and how the
3: Falcons are playing big ball. Yeah, no doubt. Um, he, you know, Everybody, well, maybe they don't know his story in Cleveland, but so I'll go real quick. First round draft pick went to Minnesota, bombed as a a receiver, ended up being an all-pro kick returner. So for him, everything is a kick return. (laughs) So so he might hit the hole, he might not. He might go all the way on the backside. So, you know, it's kind of organized chaos, you know, as far as a power sweep or a stretch outside zone run, I haven't seen him press the one thing out there at all this season. So he's he he treats it as a kickoff, so it's a little bit unorthodox, and I would imagine it's hard to plan for, uh, other than you know playing assignment football and you know making sure he's got it, and making sure Mariota didn't keep it and and, and uh, get around the corner on you. So uh, you know that's what that's what it is. It's been entertaining to watch as they try to you know craft the identity together uh, with the you know in the post Matt Ryan era here in Atlanta. I-
2: I feel like unorthodox is the way to describe this entire Mm -hmm. offense, and it does start with a running back wearing number 84, but also just the size that that the Falcons have on the outside, And, and Kyle Pitts, of course, not really, I don't know if outside's the word, but they use him all over the place, kind of started to target him more against Seattle. Do you think that was the start of something?
3: Uh, yeah, I, I did a Sunday story last week and went back to charge him. He started slow last year a little bit, too. Didn't go off until the fifth game over in London. Uh, so, you know, he's right on track for what he did last year. Uh, you know, they are targeting him. Uh, he's got seven, then four, then eight or nine, depending if you all count the DPIs and so forth that he draws. So uh, he's a big part of the offense. I mean, those are two guys that we knew coming back. It was uh, Well, Matt Ryan's gone, but. All uh, they got is Pitts and Patterson. So it hasn't been a surprise here early that they're trying to make sure both of those guys get the ball.
1: While we are on the subject of guys whose last names begin with P, uh, let's move over to the other side of the ball and talk a little bit about Dean Pease and his defense. So, what can the Browns expect from this Dean Pease defense? And can they stop the run?
3: Yeah, they put a lot of uh, stuff out there on tape uh, last week in Seattle. Open with a 4-2-5, got gashed, uh, came back with their base, the 3-4 base, slowed them down a little bit, uh, and then they started hitting the tight ends. So um, the tight ends were a problem. So then they went to a 4-3 over, which uh, put somebody over the tight end and, you know, shut down the run. They have more power up front to go uh, with the tight ends and to uh, mesh with the run. So I'd imagine we'll see that given the Browns uh, formations that they, you know, stick to, you know, the trends and so mm-hmm. forth. So he's uh, made this a 3-4, 4-3 defense over two years, and he's got players that are assignments. Sure, they might not be the best players. They still gave up 420 yards last week. But, uh, you know, it's a, it's a developing mm-hmm. young defense.
2: So back on the offensive side of the ball, another guy I want to ask about and, and somebody that I was interested in for the Browns before they traded the, the first round pick as part of the Deshaun Watson deal, Drake London. Uh, it seems like he's off to a good start. I, I think I saw he's leading the Falcons in receptions, yards, and touchdowns to, to kind of start his career.
3: Uh, what have you thought of him so far? Yeah, he uh, he's as advertised and we didn't get to see him much in the exhibition season. He played one play, I hit on the knee and was out, came back and started against the Saints, uh, and has been a very dependable receiver as Pitts has kind of dragged coverage away from him. And he's been a red zone target, a uh, favorite of uh, Marcus Mariota on some hot reads. He got a nice little broken arrow route against the Rams. Then he got a hot route against uh, Seattle that made a nice little run after the catch. The run after the catch has been the uh, most impressive thing from him. We knew he was big. We knew he could catch and his speed He's a little bit faster uh, than a lot of teams had him at. You know, he uh, had him at four point five, which was faster enough for a big guy, which made them take him as the number one wide receiver over Jamison and uh, Garrett Wilson.
1: Now, when you look at this game, I'm sure you know that there is some adversity going on here in Cleveland with Miles Garrett getting in an accident, Jadavian Clowney. uh, He's on the injury report. Now Denzel's on the injury report. Anthony Walker Jr. is out for the season. When you look at this Cleveland Browns defense a little bit banged up, uh, what do you think of the matchup? I mean, do you think this opens the door for the Falcons to be able to possibly win this game?
3: Um. I haven't gotten that far yet, Mary Kay. <laughs> uh, on the win, I do think the Browns are rightly favored right now. But if you do, if the Browns do have to go with two rookie DNs, um, and Marcus is reading that DN on the RPOs, that could be a problem. That could be a big problem. If they get them guys hesitating and so forth, he's gone. Patterson's gone. Um, uh, uh, the rookie, uh, you know, he, he doesn't have the speed to get gone. But – he can run it up in there and run it up in there hard and take some of the carries away. And then if you start leaking up, they'll try to slip London or Zacchaeus uh, Lameda Zacchaeus behind them. So that gives them hope. That gives them life. Um, you know, the fact that Cleveland may have some rookie defensive ends in there and that they'll be trying to take advantage of. It. Yeah. You
2: mentioned a name that I'm also kind of interested in Zacchaeus. He's kind of the, he's the small guy in, the, in that receiver room. Uh, what has he meant to this passing game?
3: Well, he uh he's the one that you gotta watch. He can take the top off. Uh, you know, they they haven't thrown it to him a lot. He had a big catch and a fumble against the Saints. Um, so I don't know if he's in the doghouse or not, or even if coaches still do that. But uh, but he's the, he's the one speed merchant. Uh, you know, they got Demir Bird on the roster too, but those are two little guys that are I call them the flyers, where they'll just run them down the field. And if you decide you don't want to cover them you know, they'll throw it up there. They haven't, they haven't done it a lot, but I know that's in the, in the uh, repertoire here in Arthur Smith's offense.
1: Just one more for me. And that is where does the pressure come from and who is Jacoby going to have to worry about the most from that standpoint?
3: Yeah. Um, I did a uh, little thing on the, the Falcons blitz or, or rush package trending network, which it couldn't do anything, but cause they only had 18 sacks last year, but, um, so uh, it's three people that are trending that with Grady Jarrett. He's a two-time pro bowler, as expected. If he draws double teams, the new guy, Taquan Graham, a fifth-round pick from Texas, he's been getting back there a little bit, beating his one-on-ones and has five hits. And then they signed Lorenzo Carter from uh, the Giants, a former Giants draft pick, played here at the University of Georgia up the road here. And he's from North Cross, Georgia, right around here. And he's got um, – he had a, a 1.5 sacks and a touchdown off of the block punt against the Rams. So those are three main guys that have stepped forward, uh, you know, uh, that have stepped forward and, and have been providing, uh, you know, a better pass rush, a much better pass rush than the 18 sack crew from last year.
2: So before we let you go, I, I got the impression that you're not quite to a point where, where you want to make a pick in this game. You're welcome to if I'm wrong, but um, if the Falcons are going to win this game, Why?
3: If they win this game, um, it, it'll be a, a duo of the running backs. And if um, you know if the, the Falcons can somehow corral Chubb, which you know we saw what he did to Pittsburgh on Thursday night. Everybody saw that streaming it on my phone. Hey, <laughs> so, so um, you know he um, it, 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 it's it's a real simple game. Whoever runs the ball, and scores touchdowns, going to win. Dominating the red zone. Uh, Falcons defense a little leaky. So, you know, you kind of got to give the edge to Cleveland here. If I had to do a score, I'd probably have it at about 30 to 26 or, or maybe 24. 30-24 Cleveland, um, you know, as we sit here on Wednesday.
2: Yeah, so, so a little bit of a shootout, it, it sounds like, uh, in Atlanta on yeah. Sunday afternoon. Okay, uh, D. Orlando Ledbetter covers the Falcons for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Appreciate you taking
3: the time. Sure. Thanks for having me, Dan and Mary Kay. You all take care and have a great week. You too. Thanks for joining us.
2: And our thanks to D. Orlando Ledbetter for joining us to preview the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Ashley is back, and we now bring in Doug Maurice and Irie Harris to join Mary Kay and me as we are going to talk through some props. Uh, After this, we're going to make our picks towards the end of the podcast, but let's get right to
4: it. Doug, start us off. What what prop do you like in this game? So I'm basing my prop on the idea, and and I'm, just want to double check what you guys think of this. Marcus Mariota is the best quarterback that the Browns have played so far. Like, is that true? I, I no, it's
2: yes. It's funny you mentioned this because I was just having a conversation during practice uh, with with another reporter, and I kind of threw out that same thing. I said Marcus Mariota is better than Mitch Trubisky, right? And. I got some pushback on that. Mm. I think uh, I read just made a face that like <laughs> I, I think he probably is. I don't think he's like great. I think it's a very low bar, but yeah,
4: I think he probably is. NFL.com does some quarterback rankings every week. It's Mark Sessler, who actually is a Browns fan is, is a guy. I like his coverage, his rankings this week. He has Jacoby Brissett number 16 among quarterbacks. He has Marcus Mariota number 17. He has Mitch Trubisky, 27, Baker Mayfield, 29, and Joe Flacco, 30. So by those rankings, that's a pretty significant gap, right, between Mariota and the other three guys they face. So I I don't know if that's 100% true. I think he might be more competent than those other guys, maybe less upside. But I'm going to bet on Kyle Pitts, who the Falcons did not use early in the season. I think he had 19 receiving yards in both. the first two games, he had 87 receiving yards last week. The over-under on his receiving yards this week is 55 and a half, I believe. The Steelers did not throw in the middle of the field against the Browns. And then on their final drive, when they were trying to stay alive, they hit Pat Frymuth over the middle for like two throws. And I know the guys on TV were like, finally, the Steelers are trying to work the middle of the field. So Kyle Pitts is really good. I'm curious to see how the Falcons try to attack the Browns in the passing game they've drafted big body pass catchers both of the last two years in the first round of the draft. Kyle Pitts is 6'6", Drake London 6'5". I'm super curious about all of that, but I think Kyle Pitts is going to be targeted and I think he has a chance to have success against the Browns. So I'll take over 55 and a half receiving yards for him.
2: So I the, the face you made made me believe that you think Marcus Mariota is the best quarterback they've faced so far. So do you do you like that over for Kyle Pitts?
5: Well, before answering, Doug, I I want to welcome you to betting on the receiving yards, just like I have the last couple of times. First off, welcome. Uh, No, I I definitely do agree on that. I think Mariota is just off of youth. And Well, do we want to say he's the best quarterback? Because then that'd be disrespecting Joe Flacco. I guess we have to give him some type of props now. I mean, no, you can disrespect Joe Flacco.
2: We're talking 2022 version of Joe Flacco.
5: He still won. That's fair. He's the he's still won. You know what I mean. And so anyway, and and remind me, this is the the over or the under that you uh, uh, took again for uh, Pitts? Oh, over. Yeah, okay. Over. Yeah, I uh, I agree with that. I, yeah, he was Yeah, This is kind of interesting. Yeah, 19 yards uh, receiving within the first two games. Exactly. 19 yards and all well, in both. So 38 total. I do think that is going to be used a bit more in as much process as I've given this defense. I just don't have the full confidence that they're going to keep them below, you know, 55 uh, yards. So yes, I agree with that with him getting the over and receiving yards.
2: I think I agree with that, too, um, especially because we I guess I just don't know how the Browns are going to defend him. Like, is it going to be Greg Newsome matched up against him a bunch? Is it going to are they going to throw Martin Emerson out there because of his length or Ronnie Harrison? If he's back like he's been playing a lot of a lot of nickel. Yeah, is he going to have to go against Kyle Pitts. I actually feel most confident with Newsome on him of of those three options. Um, So, yeah, I I think he can have a big game and the Browns can still win. And I I think them kind of getting him going last week was really important. So I, I think I like the over on this one, too. Mary Kay, what about you?
1: You know what? This is going to be really interesting. And I'm glad that you picked this, Doug, because I'm very intrigued about how the Browns are going to defend the big ball that uh, the Atlanta Falcons are going to be playing on Sunday. I mean, some of their defense, I think, is built with sort of the hybrid type of guys like the JOK that they could almost double as a safety. They're not necessarily huge guys. So when you're talking about, uh, you know, covering a guy like this, uh, they don't necessarily have, uh, you know, they're going to have to match it up a little differently than you might think they would uh, with with their coverage guys. But fortunately for the Browns, Uh, They have a lot of guys that can do a lot of different things. They're so versatile. Uh, So I think they'll probably find someone that they feel like can cover him uh, at that size. But are you going to be able to to handle everybody that's that size with the guys you have? So very, very curious to see how uh, this is all going to shake out. So therefore, you know, they have traditionally struggled covering tight ends as it is. So I'm going to go ahead and give him the over on this. I kind of like that. Um, I, I think that this could be a little bit of a challenge for them.
2: Doug, you actually stole my point about Friar too, because I thought that was interesting that they he got going towards the end. And just, Ashley, before you go, I'm looking it up. Pro football reference has this cool thing where you can look up how a team performed against certain positions from a fantasy standpoint. And the Browns have done well as far as the number of fantasy points they've allowed against tight ends, but I also don't think they've played any great tight ends yet, Ashley.
0: Yeah, and I'm especially interested, and I don't know if this guy's name is going to come up later, but Cordero Patterson, like we don't know what's going on with him in terms of their ground game, and he's obviously been... So, so good for them in the early parts of the season. I wrote about that today. He's averaging 6.2 yards per carry. He's third in the league in total rushing yards right now. So if he's out or limited, like Kyle Pitts is the other name that we've kind of brought up routinely this week when we've talked to the defensive guys of of how do you game plan for him? And then they got Drake London, who's obviously huge, and Patterson is huge too. So I I do like the over on this because I feel like he's just going to probably see more targets, especially if Patterson is limited. So he's just going to have that opportunity and and could be the guy that kind of makes them pay, so to speak.
4: Uh, I will say this reminds me a little bit. Ohio State opened the season against Notre Dame and Michael Mayer, who's probably the second best tight end in college football. He's 6'4", big 260-pound guy. And Ohio State didn't have a guy within four inches or 50 pounds of him to defend him. And I thought, how are they going to do it? How are they going to do it? And they just decided to do it. After the game, they said he was our focus. We thought about him the whole game. They had a linebacker under him and a safety over him. They used five different guys to cover him. They made it a priority. And if you hit a guy enough, it doesn't matter if you're giving up 40 pounds, if you're you you know, if you're physical with him. So I think the Browns have a multitude of guys, all the guys that we've talked about, right? Well, ha- Ronnie Harrison could take him this play, and Greg Newsom that play, and JOK. I wonder how much they'll prioritize it because the thing with Notre Dame is they didn't have any receivers. So if you prioritize Pitts too much, maybe London kills you. Right. So I don't know, obviously it's different, but I also wonder if Joe Woods would say, we're not going to let that happen. Like what we're not going to do is let Kyle Pitts eat us alive in the middle of the field. And what happens on the edge happens on the edge. So I'm, I'm super curious about the approach with how they go about it. Cause, cause pits is definitely special. And I think, I
2: think to the, you know, the Browns might not have a bunch of big guys, but they have length. You know, Greg Newsom has length. Um, Martin Emerson, of course, looks like a safety. Ronnie Harrison is a big guy. Uh, but but their corners, even if they aren't huge, they're long. But th- this would have been a game that it would have been nice to have Greedy Williams out there to just throw another big body on the field. Um, I, I think this could be a game where they miss him. All right, Irie, why don't you give us your prop?
5: Let's go. All right. So my prop bet in going to the rushing yards, I'm going to change it up a bit. Nick Chubb, uh, so right now, the over under, the number is 89.5 for a I'm going to go with the over. Um I I know that pro football focus has to file ranked 11th right now regarding, you know, the rush defense, you know, great uh, <clears throat> and whatnot, but I, I believe that there's going to be a, a period where he's going to get high and he's just going to be able to run just so effortlessly and he'll be able to get his yards up. I mean, we've seen this guy get 90 yards in a, in a, in a, a one-half alone, which was done during week one, just for example, versus Carolina. So, oh, what, wow. They just upped it to 90.5 right oh, as I was speaking. See, they heard you. Oh, It's all good. <laughs> you know,
4: I read uh, moving lines with his mind.
5: I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I like it, you know why? Because I'm still going to stay with the over. You can't give me, Drive Kings. I'm, I'm I'm. staying with <laughs> it.
2: I, okay, so this begs the question. What number? Because like I looked at the Nick Chubb number before it moved when Irie's phone or whatever was listening to him talk. Um, I'm, what number is too high for you to finally say th- this is a question for everybody. I looked at it and I'm like, of course, I'm taking the over for Nick Chubb, 88, 90, whatever it, Yeah, of course I'm taking the over for that. What number is too high where you would actually stop yourself and consider taking the
5: under? Well, before saying that, let me just add on the fact that the last time the Browns played the Falcons, which was during week 10 of the 2018 season, Chubb went on for what we may consider. A high number. He went up for 176 rushing yards. So when so it just went back down to 89. What are they doing? <laughs> We're
2: going. We got to pick one. We're gonna go 89. We're just gonna put it at 89. We're gonna split the middle. By the way, that game, Nick Chubb had a 92 yard rushing touchdown.
5: So I don't. I don't see no reason for. It. Him to you know this O line to I mean this O line that they've been just solid right now they haven't been too flashy anything they've been direct within doing their jobs you know within their matchups and I believe that they'll be able to open up you know gaps on multiple plays for Nick Chubb to get his yardage up and I mean that there's gonna be a couple of periods where he's gonna have to carry the offensive of usage so I see why not going the over don't move okay good <laughs> <I> didn't
3: move
2: <laughs> all right uh. Look, I'm not taking a Nick Chubb under until I have a good reason to. So I, I don't know. I guess the number for me would have to be like 110. Maybe I'd be like eh, I, I might just stay away from this one. But anyone think Nick Chubb goes under? What do we say? 89 in this. So he goes basically goes 90 plus is is what you're saying if you take the over here.
1: You know what? I think I'm going to, I am going to take the over because uh, another reason, this is an intangible reason. And that is the fact that, you know, Nick Chubb is going home. He's going home to Georgia. And I think that that's going to be meaningful for him. I think he's probably going to have people at the game. Uh, I I think that, I don't know, I just think that he's going to kind of want to light it up and, and tear it up in his home state a little bit. He's played. Uh, at Mercedes Benz before. And, uh, and he's sort of legendary in Georgia. And I think that he's going to want to, uh, to show out. So that's one of the reasons I'm taking the over.
4: I was thinking about the under, but I forgot about the Georgia thing. Chubb, all of <laughs> Chubbtown might be there. Yeah? Right. this is exactly. like, there's going to be some Georgia Bulldogs Chubb jerseys in in the stands. In addition to all the Falcons jerseys, like this, this is a great – everybody's in on Georgia football right now, right? Because yeah. they've certainly become as good as any football program in the country. And Nick Chubb, like, helped lay the, founda- he helped lay the foundation of the Kirby mm-hmm. Smart era. They were having some quarterback issues. Like, they were close. They didn't get over the top. And now Georgia football is a monster. And Nick Chubb is like a founding father of the new era <laughs> of Georgia Bulldogs football. And he's going home to be crowned the king of Georgia. Yes. So Doug to, to that point, he did say he believes
0: his whole high school program is coming to this game. Like yeah. they are, they are yeah. all, and it's his first time first NFL game back in Georgia. I forgot. We talked to him about that on uh, Wednesday when he spoke to reporters in the locker room. So I I agree. I think Mary Kay and I are on the same wavelength here. I was thinking about that. And also like I'm just thinking about how good Nick Chubb has looked like we're asking guys questions as a beat. Like, is this the best you've seen Nick Chubb look in his career? And we're asking Nick Chubb, those kind of questions. And the coaches, those kind of questions, like the way he's cutting and some of these moves he's making, I just think it's top notch so far. And I'm with Dan until somebody can show me that they've figured out a way to shut him down. He's just kind of having his way with teams right now. And we heard the Pittsburgh guys and Cam Hayward talk about that, that, he was just kind of doing whatever he wanted against them. So I'm going to take the over here too.
2: And, and the last two games we've seen, like the Browns have struggled early running the ball and they just kind of stick with it. And by the end, yeah. Joel Batonio and Wyatt Teller wear everybody down and Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt just clean up after that. And I, I just, I think this run game as a whole, like it's not just Chubb. It's not just Hunt. It's this entire, it's Batonio and Teller and Chubb and Hunt and Bill Callahan, and Kevin Stefanski, And it's this whole group, they are just wholly committed to this, and they're just absolutely wearing teams down. And Grady Jarrett's really good, but he's not shutting this run game down on
4: his own. There have been eight 2,000-yard rushing seasons in NFL history, and obviously now we're into the 17-game era. Nick Chubb at the moment is on pace for 1,932 rushing yards. So if he keeps this up all year, He'd have one of the 10 best rushing seasons in NFL history. At some point, I think we'll get to an under where that's the smart play for Nick Chubb. It's not this week. Not against this team. Not in his homecoming. This is a high number. It's a high number. But I think you have to take the over. I mean, it might not be till like week 13.
2: I mean, it might not be till Deshaun comes back and they really want to start throwing the ball more. Yeah.
5: I I I just want to thank everybody for taking me <laughs> over and agreeing with me. I, and the words of uh, Meek Mill, I used to pray for times like this. We've come only from me supporting my Carly and everyone bullying and and jumping me on Zoom, and now everybody's agreeing with me. So uh, thank you, everyone. Irie. Ha-
1: re- we had to haze you for a couple weeks. I mean, <laughs> come on, it's what you do to the new people, right, Ashley? I mean, you know, you need a little bit of online zoom hazing never heard anybody in a on a, a prop pod
2: we didn't we didn't talk to ashley for two months yeah <laughs> silence i just
0: was kind of wondering i didn't even know who they my co-workers were
2: yeah oh my god <laughs> so by the way speaking of georgia football doug my ap
4: ballot this week georgia won kent state two
0: there you go dan
4: that was amazing i that is worthy props the Golden Flashes for being a 50-point underdog and absolutely hanging around. On the National College Football Show that I'm sure all of our Orange and Brown Talk listeners listen to, that I co-host, the College Football Survivor Show, leading into the Georgia-Kent State game, the title of our episode was, Georgia is Better Than Last Year's Georgia. And then- (laughs) It felt like Kent state (laughs) might beat them. And I was like, well, this seems right. So thank you, Kent state for making me look stupid, but congratulations on hanging around with the dogs. Mm -hmm. That's right. Okay. Uh, Mary Kay, what do you have?
1: All right. Well, I am going to turn it over to Jacoby Brissett. He's been playing so well. I think we need to talk a little bit about him and uh, I'm going to go with the passing yards for Jacoby Brissett. I think we have been doing that uh, each of the weeks, but he deserves it again this week to have this kicked around a little bit. The over and under, the over and under is 211 yards. Now, Jacoby is averaging 198.7 yards for 26th in the NFL. But remember, he had the dud of the first game. The last two games, uh, last week it was 220. Not exactly sure what it was the week before. That's somewhere in between there. But um but he's really kind of come around the last two weeks. One of the reasons for that is because he's connecting really well with Amari Cooper. He and Amari have their mojo down, and um, and they're looking really good together. Uh, just a couple of quick numbers for Jacoby. Tenth in the NFL with a 94.3 rating. Ninth uh, in completion percentage at 66.3. Ninth in QBR at Uh, with a 62.6 mark, Uh, and it should be mentioned that Baker Mayfield is 32nd in QBR with an 18.8 mark. So um, with the way Jacoby has been playing, he will be playing against the 27th, 27th ranked pass defense in the NFL, surrendering 271 yards per game. I am going with the over on this one.
2: Here's my, here's my stat that I'm going to throw on top of that. Mary Kay Gino Smith last week, 32 of 44, 325 yards completed 72% of his passes, two touchdowns and a 91, 99.1 rating. Mm. And if you go back and watch that game, there was not a lot of coverage from the Atlanta Falcons, and we're going to get to uh, we're going to get to uh, another aspect of that in a in a minute here. But Seattle's receiving core, at least at the wide receiver position, is better than than what the Browns have top to bottom. But still, I, I, I'm as I'm as cautious about Jacoby Brissett as anyone. I'm probably the most cynical not in a bad way i just you know i like jacoby i think this is an awesome story i do feel like there's a regression coming at some point i don't think it's going to be this week i like the over here
4: i've come (laughs) around i've come around i've come around from i wouldn't bet a nickel on the browns passing game i have i have come around some the Falcons gave up 269 to Jameis Winston, 272 to Matthew Stafford, and as you said, 325 to Geno Smith. So they might be ripe uh, for the take in here, but we're verging into territory with Jacoby where it just feels, you know, a little high. We were going under what like week one, it was like 180 and we were going under. And now we're we're clearly above that. So I'm just I would just go under because I think there's a way. A, a pretty logical way for Jacoby Brissett to be efficient, effective, winning, and not not get that right. But um, I I don't love going under. I'm just I still just think they might run the ball all over the Falcons.
0: So I am going to take the over and. What the listeners may not know and what I have come to learn in the year or so covering this team is that sometimes Mary Kay just has a sixth sense for these things and for individual performances. So because she's taking me over, I'm just going to ride her coattails and (laughs) hope that it's right. And, and honestly, like, I, I don't know. I just feel like we've kind of seen, like we've talked about in recent pods, like not quite seen the ceiling for what Jacoby could look like in this offense like in some ways like yes Jacoby is Jacoby but I think there's room for him to grow and it would be great if they could take advantage of that this game and I'm gonna leave it on this note because last week we threw around possible nicknames for Jacoby Doug tried I can't even say it Doug. Can nobody say can say it, it. nobody so it was a play on probably it. Mary Kay came up with Jacanby which I admit was great but one of our texters replied to me this week with the Jacoby nickname to end all nicknames. They did not give me a name. They're from the 614 area code.
1: Wait, before you say it, before you say it. Yeah. Because my son heard my Jacanby yeah. and, he, and he decided to improve upon it. Is that what so I have? You, it might be. I don't know. I'm gonna So yell. my son Chris, out. my son Chris said ja could be. Is better you read this? Then you read this could <laughs> <laughs> be.
0: That is what our texter said. Ja could be. So Christopher, That's, yes, you yes. the texture. Right,
1: that yeah. was even better. Chris said What are you doing, Mom? It's not you ja can be. It's you ja could ja be could be.
0: So, so smart. Ja That's it. So I'm gonna say you ja could be and take the over.
2: Well, Harry, <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll let you go here, but can I push back on can I just push back on one thing? And I hate I hate this because it, it makes it sound like I'm coming off as a Jacoby Brissett hater. And I'm certainly not that Jacoby has been fantastic for this team. He's done exactly what he's needed to do, but I want to push back on this idea that we haven't seen the ceiling of Jacoby because his last two games, he's completed 74% of his passes and his rating is one Oh six two. I don't think there's much, I mean he's 29 years old. How much how much higher can he go?
0: So maybe I worded that poorly, but what I will say is I think that there is room for other people to get involved in this past game. Like instead of we've kind of seen like these jump out performances each game in the past game, I think maybe there's more room to mesh some of that together. And then as a as a byproduct of that, maybe Jacoby's numbers go go slightly up. But like I'm fully on board, like, yeah, we kind of know who Jacoby Brissett is, but I think kind of like Mary Kay's the one I think who's brought up this point. Like there's room for it all to be more cohesive, mm-hmm. maybe
2: in the yes, past game. That makes sense. Yes. But I, I yes. think we I think we need to be a little careful because like I mean, Aaron Rodgers isn't a 75%. Passer with a 110 rating. And I mean that's that's where we're going if we're sitting, if we're saying, like, well, Jacoby Brissett still has room to get a lot better.
1: Uh, I I I don't oh, go ahead, Doc.
4: I re dropped a a musical lyric earlier on, and and that has inspired me. As Lionel Richie once said, Oh, what a feeling, we're dancing on the ceiling. (laughs) Like this is the ceiling. I think you make a good point, Dan. It doesn't mean he can't stay on the ceiling for a while but I don't know that there's even more out there.
2: And, and by the way, if he regresses to like 65% and a rating in the 90s, like that's still really incredible quarterback play and way more than you ever could have expected. But but go ahead, Mary Kay.
1: Yeah, I, I was going to say, I, I don't necessarily think that, um, that the measure of Jacoby Brissett's success should be h- hitting 72% completion percentage or a 107 rating, but I do think that, um, as we talked about once before on the spot, I do think the, the success that he's having now is somewhat sustainable because I do believe that he really has hardly gotten anybody involved in the offense yet. I mean, there's so much left on the cutting room floor in terms of the passing game. I mean, David Bell is not involved yet. Donovan Peoples-Jones hasn't been heard from in the last two weeks. Um, You know, Anthony Schwartz is not involved. Michael Woods hasn't even gotten onto the field yet, really, to show what he can do. And I actually think he is going to be fairly decent by the end of the season and be able to show something. Um, Harrison Bryant really hasn't gotten involved to a certain extent. So... I think that he will be spreading the ball around to other people and, and getting a comfort level with some of those guys. And they're going to grow up in this offense as time goes on. And by the time he gets to week six, week seven, I, I do think he's going to be able to find, um, find targets and completions with those guys.
5: Irie, go ahead. Uh, well, I'm going to go with the over here. Dan. Who was the one quarterback that we laughed about early, early, a while back on? I said, if he can just be 60% of what he was, he'll be all right.
2: I don't remember.
5: Rich Gannon. Brissette, <laughs> oh, right. Brissette is 29, now. we don't know if this will be the ceiling of his. But remember, Rich Gannon was 37 years old when he finally won <laughs> the MVP award. No, I don't think Brissett will win the MVP. But dang it, he's playing like six he's playing 60% at least of Gannon right now. I mean and and to add on to that, you want to talk about numbers. Brissett is 1-0 versus the Falcons in his career. You guys want to know how many yards he threw in that one game? 310.
3: That's I'm, a
4: lot. I was wondering why Irie is obsessed with Rich Gannon. Rich Gannon's from <laughs> Philly. Hey. And by the way, Rich Cannon, yeah. Rich Cannon went to the same high school that Kevin Stefanski went to. Hey. Yeah. Hey. St. Yeah. Joe's Prep. Everybody oh, went. Everybody
2: went to St. Joe's Prep.
4: It's like, why does I keep talking about a guy who's 56 that was good for <laughs> one year? And it's like, oh, he's a Philly guy. Oh, okay. God. I do I do just I do just want to make clear that I'm not like
2: I'm not hating on Jacoby Brissett. And I think he's done a really great job. And I think he can continue to run this offense effectively. I just I just want to make sure that we're not sitting here on this podcast saying like Jacoby's going to 12 games into the year have a 70% completion percentage and have like the fourth highest quarterback rating in the league.
1: I don't think any of those things, Dan, but I do think, as I've said several times before, this offense is set up to make an above average ball protecting team protecting quarterback come out with good numbers and look good. Yes, with the pay, play action shots and with you know and with a running game like this uh, to support that, uh, I think that's once again why you can get a, a Case Keenum going eleven and three, and I think he is flourishing in this offense. I mean, let's let's be real though. I mean, when you bump up against the Ravens defense, you know things might be different. I mean, if you had had T.J. Watt, things might be different. Um, but I I just think that he's well suited to this scheme.
2: Yeah, he, he actually might. He actually might throw for 400 yards against the Ravens. <laughs> that's, that's actually conceivable.
5: Yeah, well, and real quick, just to add on to what I said prior, I, I just wanted to get that out the way for the Lions and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, no, no defense right now. At least early on, right now, has been able to stop Jacoby Brissett's short, uh, you know, short pass making. We know that there's that worry when it comes to the deep passing. He's 33rd, I believe, out of 37 qualifying quarterbacks according to the PFF, when it comes to, you know, uh D pass uh, uh, percentage or um your grading, you know, 20 yards and over uh, we we've already seen there's not really much to worry about when it comes to that. If he throws a deep 20 plus or more, he does it. If he goes through it, it, it is not it's fine, so be it. But this is an offense as Mary Kay is saying that's been built to be very efficient on offense. And that's why that's why we're talking about percent the way that we've been right now
2: yeah and look you know Mary Kay you said the name Case Keenum maybe this is just his Case Keenum year Mm -hmm. and maybe Denver's gonna pay him a bunch of money next year we'll see come in and and replace Russell Wilson it could it could be it's crazier things have happened but um all right let's move on Ashley what do you have
0: so we're all about transparency here, so I will tell the listeners the prop bet I'm about to give you was not the original prop bet I chose, but much like Ivory, DraftKings is messing with me. We think what happened is David Njoku showed up on the injury report today with a, a knee thing. We were told originally it was just rest and Earlier today, they have the over for David Njoku's passing yards at 36 and a half. And I was going to say, take the over. But now there is no prop bet listed for him. So my advice would be if you see a prop bet, pop up again for Njoku's yardage. I would take the over if it's around that range. Um, but since it's not available, what I am going to go with is him as an anytime touchdowns for when I last looked at it like two seconds ago, your odds were plus 195. So a little, you know, you make a little bit more money the back than if you bet on Nick Chubb, say, to score a touchdown. He, the, the odds are more in your favor if you win on David Njoku as an anytime touchdown scorer. And a big thing to keep in mind for this game is the Falcons have kind of struggled with opposing tight ends. Their defense has given up 221 total receiving yards to opposing tight ends out of 640 total yards, Um, only one touchdown to a tight end. But since David Njoku got going last game, um, I'm curious to see. I think he can kind of replicate that performance. And just remind everyone, he was like the leading touchdown scorer last year with only four receiving touchdowns, which is not great. But I think he can get another touchdown in this game. So I would take that bet.
2: I got more stats for you.
0: Go, Dan. Stats
2: machine today. (laughs) So I've been doing research on this as I've been putting together my things to watch post. And this is the Falcons against tight ends. Week one, Jawan Johnson only had two catches, but they were for 26 and 17 yards. Tyler Higby, seven catches, 71 yards. Seattle last week, Colby Parkinson, Will Disley, and Noah Fant combined for nine catches and 105 yards. And again, if you watched that game, it was just tight ends open everywhere. So this, this is, if Jacoby Brissett hits that over, a lot of it is probably going to go to those tight ends. Um, and so
4: here we go. Maybe this is David Njoku's big encore performance. I can't get over Ashley saying he led the team last year with four receiving touchdowns,
2: which was is horrible.
0: not good. It, I was, know, not like, good, it was not good. It was not. Yes. He did score some it, touchdowns. No, no, I just like that. He were so nice about I, I was saying so it's nice. not good. I was so nice. He it's would awful. have two touchdowns this year if he could have stayed in bounds against. Was that the Jets game or the Steelers game, Dan? Oh, I'm, I'm losing game. my mind. Jets game. He would have two already this year, but you know. He that was a not good play, which he owned up to. So I I don't know. I, I like I said, this isn't the original prop bet I wanted to take, so I'm not as impassioned about it as I normally am. And I would just say, keep your eye. On those prop bets well, the listen, next at, couple
4: of days. The anytime touchdowns are tough because it's like you can have a great game and not score a touchdown. I know. I but, know. But I like the two, you're getting two to one odds basically on this. And as we said, he's basically, he's like their number two receiver. And we think the Browns will be able to throw on the Falcons. So there's a lot of things here in your favor. And if you're getting two to one on a prop bet, I'm, I'll roll with you, Doc. Let's go.
0: Thanks, Doug. Really, this was, I'll be honest, this was mostly an excuse for us to talk about how the Falcons have not really done so well against opposing tight ends, so there might be an opening here. That's kind of my line of thinking.
2: Uh, Mary Kay, what do you think?
1: You know what? Uh, the, the knee injury has me a little concerned. He participated fully yesterday and then, um, you know, came up with this knee injury today, which means... He may have done this yesterday in practice. I watched him walk through the locker room today, and he looked 100% fine walking through the locker room. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm a little thrown off by the whole knee injury situation. Sometimes when you get an injury late in the week, it doesn't bode well for the game. Um, so yeah, I, I, I really don't know how I feel about this one. Mary and just Kay as a and as Ashley a point of
4: information, wins. I th- I think if if you make a bet like on a prop bet on a guy and he doesn't play at all, you get your money back. So you wouldn't <laughs> lose if you he doesn't know. play. Now, there if he tries know. if he tries to play two snaps and then he has to come out of the game, then you lose. But uh, point taken, point well taken by Mary Kay. Betting on an injured guy might be rough. Irie,
2: do you like the Injoku uh, touchdown?
4: feel oh, bad because
5: I, I was so up for him last week and he had the game of his career so far for me and now he's on one leg I guess I don't know I'm actually you know what you know what sure let's do it why not let it ride let's go Ashley let's do it if he can come out there somewhat healthy or more if possible definitely within that five to ten yard range you know let's say that 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 the rushing in the ground game gets them to the red zone to win there, you know, you have a Cooper, you have it in Julga right there just to get that easy touchdown for. it. Yeah, sure. Let's do it. I'm with it.
2: Yeah, I, I'm I'm on board with this one too. You know how you can tell the Browns are off to a good start and their offense is just clicking on all cylinders. This podcast is just overs and touchdown scores, and just we love them all. It's great. We're we're like the uh we're the canary in the coal mine. When we start taking a bunch of unders. And like start saying no to these anytime touchdown scores. that's so you know things are going bad uh with the browns, but right now, everybody feeling great, and to keep that going, I've got a weird one. I'm gonna take this is actually an alternate an alternate spread. I'm gonna take the browns minus three and a half points in the first half of this game. Now, the browns are one point favorites um for this game overall. This game feels like the Tennessee game a few years ago or I'm trying to think of a couple a couple other times and the Browns have just come out and just gone like gangbusters in the first half of a game and kind of blitzed a team that maybe wasn't great defensively and ran some trick plays got their run game going hit a couple shots down the field and the next thing you know you look up and it's 24 to three or I don't I don't remember what that Tennessee score was but they just absolutely and I think Arthur Smith was the offensive coordinator for the Titans then um, they just absolutely blew the doors off of them in the first half and Tennessee came back and made it interesting we've seen this team give up leads like that but I think this is a game where the Browns come out on fire um, offensively and so I like them To lead by four or more at halftime. So I'm taking the Browns alternate. It's an alternate spread. First half, minus three and a half. I think a fast start for the Browns on Sunday.
1: I'm going to agree with you on this one. I I think they're going to try to take some of those play action shots early in this game. I think they're going to try to take advantage of a weak pass defense. I think the Jacoby Brissett to Amari connection uh, will be humming along. And uh, I think they're going to jump on them early and uh, and try to hang on to that lead. So I'm going to agree with you on this one. Gonna... And and
2: I should note, this is the highest number that I can take. It's plus 145. Um, it's the highest number that I can take on this on uh, draft Kings for a first half spread. Anybody, anybody against this? Does anybody think it's going to be, a, I mean, I guess four is kind of a close game, but you know,
4: Brown's minus three and a half at, at halftime. Dan, do, do you feel like you have a good handle on this team right now, Dan? Which I guess is probably a longer discussion when we make our actual game picks. But there are some things like this where I don't, and I don't know if I have a handle on the Falcons because they've played a bunch of goofy games. And so I know where you're coming from. I'm curious what it is. What would you say? What makes you believe that the offense will come out on fire? just because you think Jacoby's been so efficient or you see weakness in the Falcons? What is it? I I think it's a little bit of both. And I think that's a good point because that Tennessee game I mentioned was in December.
2: And so they kind of got themselves going a little bit. That was, that's when you really want to be playing your best. And they, that's when they started to play their best that year in 2020. Um, I think this team knows who they are. You know, they, they run the football, they lead on this run game and they hit those play action shots to Amari Cooper and David Njoku. I think they have a pretty clear vision of what they want to do. Like, it's not, I I don't think Kevin is on the sideline, like torn thinking, I want to throw the ball more, but eh, I guess I'll run it. I, I just think I maybe don't have a great handle on this team as a whole, but I do have a handle on the fact that I think they can run the ball against anybody and they can kind of work some things off of that. And Jacoby is playing really well right now. So I think things are sort of trending up at the moment. And so, while I maybe would say I don't have a a great, great feel for this team, I feel good enough about this team that they're going to come out in this game and just sort of know what they want to do uh, against an Atlanta defense. That they should be able to do it against. Okay,
4: I'll buy. It. <laughs> you, you you got me. Uh, that that's good enough for me. I, I'm with you on this.
2: Anybody else?
0: Yeah, we're going to keep this as the agreeing podcast. Anybody? I guess we can yeah. change the name. <laughs> I know
2: we're all getting I along. Really,
0: I know I. I don't know. I I just kind of, it's basically, I guess, what everyone else has said at this point. Like they're, it feels like they're going to get out to a fast start. I would like to your point, Dan, to see some of those early trick plays that one they ran last week was in the second quarter. I believe the flea pick, flicker to cream to DPJ back to Jacoby. So um, I would just like to see more of that stuff. I think especially you know, during these first 11 games without Deshaun Watson, you kind of got to be willing to try some of that stuff. And I know with Jacoby, again, there's only so much I think you can do compared to what you can do with Deshaun, but that's the kind of stuff that is harder to game plan for that. You might get a big gain out of, or best case scenario, a score out of. So I would like to see them be Aggressive, and especially if they don't have some of these guys on defense. You know, we know how long this injury report is. It's exactly what you don't want to see after a mini bye week when you played on Thursday the week before. But I think if they're missing some of these key guys, they're they're going to kind of have to do that and maybe take some of those shots and get their run game going and stick with it. So um, I will go with you on this.
4: I just, how much would that prediction change, Dan, if Miles Garrett doesn't play? I, this is a bet on the offense. So
2: I, you know, yes, obviously if miles Garrett doesn't play, it changes what you can do defensively. Um, But to me, this is a bet on kind of that. It's a bet on the first 15. It's a bet on Kevin really having an idea of what he wants to do early in the game, really having a good feel for the game. And, you know, the questions are on the defensive side of the ball but I think the offense is good enough that they can come out early and kind of land a few punches. So I, miles might make a difference in my game pick. I don't know that he makes a difference in this pick. I what about you?
5: I am going to keep the ball rolling and I'm going to agree because the, (laughs) yes, yes, sir. Now this, along with what has been said prior, I mean that this is a game where it doesn't feel like anybody is really too confident as to, yeah, they should win, of course. There's not a sense of that and not of, oh, man, we really have to watch out for them. It's going to be a game of straight being direct offensively and knowing what they're going for and being aggressive. I think the first three games, as I think, uh, you know, as you guys have said, especially Mary Kay has said, you know, some of these guys on the offense are, have been playing their preseason games right now, and that was coming to the point where they're being more in touch and feeling more comfortable with each other to the point where we don't have to worry about – uh, them coming into the second quarter and getting most of their scoring out the way. I believe that we're going to see at half of that, if not more in the first quarter alone, and they're going to be straight out, you know, straight out the gates with the, so I'm on with that.
2: So what we're going to do is we're going to take our last break. And when we come back, we will make our game picks for Sunday in Atlanta. And back on the orange Brown talk podcast. Okay. So it is Thursday at 6 55 PM. And that is important as you're listening to this, because we are going to make some picks. They might be different than the picks you see on the website by Sunday or in the paper on Sunday, whenever you look at them, because as we're recording this, we do not know if miles Garrett is going to play. Um, I'm going to make my pick under the assumption that he's not but we just don't know for sure. And that obviously is a big time game changer. We also don't know who else on the defense is going to play. And we don't know if Cordell Patterson is going to play. He's missed the first two days of the week with a knee injury. So a lot of unknowns here as we're making these picks, but as we are doing this, the line on this game is, and you you'd think I would have done this during the break fault, called this up, but it's Brown's minus one. So, who wants to go first? Who wants to make their case for, uh, does any, is anybody picking Atlanta? Let's start there. This is essentially a pick them at minus one. So if you're picking Atlanta, you're basically picking them to win.
4: So it looks like you're thinking about it. No, I mean, the only I'm the only one who would maybe take it, pick Atlanta. I mean, I picked Pittsburgh last week. Um, I'm not because I'm not a thousand percent sure of what to believe in. in the Falcons, I really want to hear everybody talk about this game. Because question I asked I asked you Dan like do we have a handle on this team or not? But I don't know if we have a handle on the Falcons because the Falcons in Week One blew a lead against the Saints and lost, and the against the Rams in Week Two they came back and they had a chance to win the game at the end and Mariota threw a pick, and then last week the Seahawks stink and they played a tight game against the Seahawks. So they're one and two. They could be three and oh, They could be oh and three. Just like the Browns are two and one, they could be three and oh they could be one and two right so i it's i don't feel good about having a handle on this game either way i will say if patterson's healthy the patterson london Pitts trio feels like well i don't know i think maybe they could do something but you know who else could do something nick chubb so I am going to pick the Browns 29-25 and I'm picking weird scores because I'm assuming more extra points bouncing off uprights and (laughs) maybe there's a safety and some weird two-point conversion. I don't know. So close up in the air, I could see your thing hitting Dan where the Browns are up early and then they blow it, but then they get it back. Like I just, I think people should have, They shouldn't assume anything because I think the Falcons aren't good, but they have some interesting players, but the Browns, I think are a better overall team. So I'll take the Browns, but I certainly wouldn't bet much on it. So 29, 25.
2: For some reason, this game has me a little freaked out just because this feels like it could be a weird game. If Atlanta has all their guys and the Browns don't have all their guys and it just, something weird happens, you know, Drake London gets free down the, down the field. And maybe those communication issues aren't as fixed as we thought. It it just feels like something strange could occur, but I'm not willing to bet on that just yet. And I still believe in this run game too much. And I believe in this, in what this team is doing offensively too much. And I don't believe in Atlanta's defense at all. Mm -hmm. So I'll take the Browns and I'm going to say, 24-16. 24-16. I have no reason for that number. I'm just going to say 24-16. <laughs> Irie, what do you think?
5: I am on the same trajectory as Doug when it comes to where it scores. They've been involved in a one-point loss, a two-point win, a 12-point win. Like, what is this? So, along with that, the number 27 has been included in their three games, whether they've scored it or the other team has scored it. So, I am going to go with a, with the Browns winning on a, at a final score of 32 to 27.
2: Ashley.
0: I'm like you, Dan. I was just kind of like scribbling little possible score combinations in my <laughs> notes here. I, I landed on Browns 31, 24. I'm like really banking on that Falcons defense, kind of blowing some things and and the Browns being able to get a little higher scoring game going here. um, and this would be, I think, ahead of the over that uh, uh, that DraftKings has right now. Um, so I guess I'm saying to take that too. But I, I don't know. I for some reason I'm I'm kind of like you. Some games I just get weird feelings about. I kind of had it going into the Jets game. I think I even said something to you the morning of. Like I, I have a weird feeling about this. I for whatever reason have not gotten that weird feeling, or I don't have it anymore. Maybe I had it earlier in the week, and but I don't know. I just think I'm the more I dive into this stuff I think that this offense is gonna kind of be able to control the game a little bit and therefore the Browns will be able to control the clock a little bit um so I'm gonna still pick them to win
2: Mary Kay
1: well you know we got the big dancing bears (laughs) (laughs) that's Wyatt Teller and Joel Batonio as dubbed today by Alex Van Pelt the OC uh we've got Nick Chubb in his homecoming to Georgia which as we mentioned is huge. Uh, And I just think that those guys do have a tendency to be tendency to be unstoppable when they want to be. And I think they will be against this defense. And I think they will. I think Jacoby will make some hay against the pass defense. So I am definitely picking the Browns to win this game and by a score of 24 to 20.
2: So I do want to ask this because I, I said, you know, I'm kind of making my pick with the assumption miles isn't playing were you guys all sort of doing the same thing? So we all, do we all believe that the Browns win this game regardless of whether Miles Garrett plays? I do.
0: Yes. And I think today I was encouraged by the fact that we saw Denzel Ward and Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa come back out to practice. If all of those guys like plus Jadavian Clowney, plus Taven Bryan, plus Miles, if no one was out at practice today, I would be a little more hesitant. I think, you know, if I'm, I don't know. I still think maybe I'm almost assuming this is with miles. If we hear miles isn't playing, I think I might pick it to be a closer game than what it's going to be. And like, assume there's one more defensive breakdown in there for the Browns. But yeah, I'd say that's kind of my line of thinking right now.
4: I, the, a world like where there's no Garrett and no Clowney is a tough world. And so in that world, I could see Marcus Mariota, with all day to throw, all of a sudden is a better quarterback than he normally is. Or Joe Woods has to feel like, oh, I better get – I better blitz a little more, take some more chances, and now all of a sudden a broken tackle and you're out the house and that kind of thing. So that is nerve-wracking to me. I, I guess I'm making my pick assuming Miles doesn't play, but uh, are they going to get any pressure if he and Clowney are both on the sideline or – is Mariota just going to have all day?
0: It's just interesting because there are so many different possibilities with this. I mean, to like, say you don't have miles or Jadavian Clowney, but then Corderell Patterson plays, then you're really hurt in the, you don't have your like best guy who can set the edge against the run out there with Clowney. So, but if he, if Patterson doesn't play, then the Browns kind of get a break there because that's probably their most dangerous guy on offense right now. So it's not just, I mean, I think that's the interesting thing about this. Of course, Miles is the big name and we have to talk about it, but there's a lot of moving pieces on this injury report right now because it's just so long.
2: OK, just wanted to just wanted to make sure I wanted to make sure there weren't any like, well, I'm picking this if Miles plays. But if he doesn't play, um, because look, it's it's Miles freaking Garrett. <laughs> He's really good. He changes. He changes things dramatically. But um, I do think it speaks to the fact that the Browns are like they should just be a better football team than the Falcons regardless and i guess uh i guess we'll find out on sunday. okay there we go. uh we go went almost an hour there with our, our props and our picks as promised our big browns falcons preview pod we certainly delivered here. uh thanks to d orlando ledbetter for joining us earlier. Uh, and of course, if you're a football insider subscriber, thank you to you. If you're not get on board, cleveland.com slash Brown's the blue banner at the top of the page to get that newsletter delivered to your inbox, become one of our tech subscribers. I do a pregame Q and a with our tech subscribers every single week. Um, and of course you get access to those stories on cleveland.com. That's a subscriber exclusive. So you got to go to cleveland.com slash Brown's the blue banner at the top of the page and just subscribe to this podcast too, Apple podcasts and Spotify. I think that's everything. For Mary Kay, Doug, Irie, and Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.